0: Sharing. Very comfortable. Um, let's start this morning, the sermon time, with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning and for the gorgeous weather we're having this weekend. And I pray for this time that you would speak to each of our hearts in a way that connects with where we are right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as Scott said, um, this is the concluding sermon in the Psalm series. And The first one that he gave, he really gave a personal story about how um, a particular psalm has played a role in his life, and last week, Mike came up here, and he was talking about the psalms, and introduced this idea that maybe it's okay to not connect with everything in the psalms in the way that they say it, and he talked about the different categories of psalms, of orientation and disorientation and reorientation, and then we had a chance to write up our own psalms, and so um, I would say, for me, when I look at the psalms, there are four distinct characteristics that I see. That ha- that both Scott and Mike touched on a little bit, and some that you know we just don't have time to to talk about. But that would be that the psalms are music. If you look in the psalms often, um, and I don't know if this is a publisher or if the the writer actually put it in there, but it's supposed to be, this psalm is, should be sung to the tune of Lily of the Valley. This song, psalm should be sung to the tune of whatever it is. And so as a music teacher, I'm really intrigued by that, and I want to know what those melodies are. And I've asked some people that I know in Jewish communities, and I don't know it's the answer, so I will keep digging to find out. Another really evident, distinct characteristic of the psalms is that they are poetry, and I don't know a lot about ancient Hebrew poetry, so I won't regale you on all of that because I'm not an expert. The Scott said in when he spoke that the Psalms are very personal. And if you look at the Psalms and you read through them, it's really evident that it's one author speaking their expression to God on behalf of the individual or of the country or something like that. And And, and I want to speak to that a little bit. And I think a fourth characteristic that is clear when you read the psalms is that they're emotional, is that they touch on emotions that we don't always find in Scripture. And that's another piece that I'm going to look at today. Part of my life story, if you will, um, includes the year 2008, which is, <laughs> can you believe it? I didn't skip time. Um, and in 2008, I wouldn't say that that's the best year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, go relive that if I had a choice. Um, there were a lot of really difficult things going on in my personal life that year. Um, one of them is that I, during during that year, I had the privilege of working with a, a counselor. To, um, I kind of had a cho- a chance to go and look at you know, open the closet and find all the skeletons and deal with them, clean it out, um, and really deal with just some of the stuff from life, from childhood, from experiences that I've had so that I don't have to take those and carry them on through my whole life, but I can deal with them and process them and really not have all this baggage. So during that year, working with that counselor, we were going through some really heavy stuff, and that kind of had an impact on lots of things that I did. During that year, I was—I um, had a long-term sub-job as a music teacher for a full year, which is a great gig to get. Um, unfortunately, it was a, a one-year position, and then I had to go find work again. But in that, I met some great people. I learned a lot of really good things. But there was one particular colleague that I was working with, and, and our relationship started to deteriorate. <clears throat> I don't know actually when it started, but I started to notice it. Um, in the spring semester of that school year, which was in 2008. And that made work very difficult. It made going to work a little bit agonizing. It made me not like it. It made me want to quit. It made me think, really question, is this a career that God has called me to? It made me question whether or not I really have any gifts and talents and skills in being a music teacher. And so that was really, really hard that year. On top of the fact that outside of work, I'm dealing with all this other stuff, and then at the same time, I uh, I was directing a summer camp that I grew up I grew up through, and then it was um, my second opportunity to be a camp director, and I love this camp. and And I, looking back, I probably shouldn't have done that at the time. There was so much other stuff going on, um, but I chose to do it anyway, a little bullheadedly, and. And then in the summer after camp, so many things about camp went well. There are a couple things that really, really, really didn't go well. And and I had to deal with that, and I had to process it. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that the summer of 2008 was the lowest point in my whole life. It was a really, really hard, hard year. And also in 2008, one of the good things that happened was I started coming to Artisan. Um, I... I was looking for a church, and I came here with my roommate at the time. And uh, it was just a, you know, hey, I heard of this church. It's on the corner of, let's Google map it and find out where it is. And we came, and, you know, they were doing a sermon series on money, which generally doesn't draw more people to the church. But for me, I was like, yeah, that's important. I think that's good. So I kept coming. Um, And then I found that it was a place where every week I would just kind of fall apart in church. I usually sat in the back there. And uh, and if you saw me then, you probably at some point during the service, I would just have tears running down my face. I was just, you know, I found it a place where I could be and I could express that. and Or I would leave um, and I'd walk around or something. But it was a place where it could be the music that kind of made me dissolve or it was a sermon or something that somebody said, but it was a place all the same time. This is all sort of Wrapped up, and so uh, during that time, I really expressed sort of the this breadth and range of emotions. And for me, I can say they were sort of compact into one year, and and uh, just the spectrum and how wide it was that I would also life happened. You know, there were things to celebrate that year, and I did those as well. But I really can say, looking back at that year, that there was such a range, and. I look at the psalms, and I see the same thing. I see that really wide range of expression. There's an author, um, M. Faree, and she talks about these sort of categories of emotions, and she gives eight categories, and, and then all the other emotions that are there, they fit into these categories. So they're a little bit broad, but I, I went through and I found emotions. Um, I found psalms that fit into all of these categories. So I want to read some of those to you to give you an idea just of the breadth of emotions that you find in the Psalms. So the categories that she listed were um, happy or glad, sadness, loneliness, fear, guilt, shame, and hurt. And I had a hard time finding uh, a verse for hurt, but I think that, that it is very interpretive So I don't have a specific verse to that, but if you read through the psalms, a lot of times the author is talking about my enemies are after me, which indicates there's some type of rift, probably some type of hurt in there. So the verse that I have for happy um, is Psalm 9, verse 2. I will be filled with joy because of you, O Most High. So he's talking about God. I'm filled with joy for sadness. Psalm 42, verse 5, verse 11, and Psalm 43, verse 5. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? For loneliness. Psalm 102, verses 6 through 7. I am like an owl in the desert, like a little owl in the far-off wilderness. I lie awake, lonely as a solitary bird on a roof. For fear. Psalm 55, verses 4 through 5. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. For guilt and shame, Psalm 51, verses 2 and 3. Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. For anger and outrage, Psalm 137, verses 8 and 9. O Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. And to me, that is really intense. And I don't encourage any of you to go and follow that verse. I do that. Just don't encourage it at all. Um, but I would say that that if, if I look through the... Um, through, my, through our culture, looking through the church, that there are a lot of different backgrounds. There are a lot of different um, histories that people have. So there are people here who come, who have gro- grown up in the church and have stayed in the church your whole life, and you're still here today, and you intend on being in the church for a long time. And there are people here who have grown up in the church, and then you just kind of stop going, and you go to college, you're in high school, whatever it is, and now, for some reason, you decided, I think this is something that I want to come back to. There are people here who have never been to a church before. I said, yeah, I think I want to check it out. Or you've grown up in the church, or you somehow were involved in a church, but you have been really seriously hurt by people in the church, by a church itself. So when, when I read these different psalm scriptures, Everybody in here is going to hear them a little bit differently because of the background that you come from and the experiences that you have. But that doesn't take away the the truth of how you respond to that. And it doesn't take away the truth of how the psalmist, the author of those scriptures, wrote about it. I find that, in general in large groups for sure, but oftentimes in small groups or one-on-one, people tend to shy away from feeling, expressing, or being around anybody who is feeling or expressing really strong emotions. Mainly for two reasons. The first is because when you're around somebody or when you are feeling something like that, it puts you totally out of control. And it's hard to go there. The second is because It's really, really uncomfortable to be around somebody who's that mad, often fight or flight kicks in. If you're going to be that angry that you're talking about rocks and babies in the same sentence and they're not playing, I don't want to be around you because it scares me. And so it's hard to be around that strength of emotion. But we know in scripture that it's there, that that is part of who we are, that that is part of scripture is. And so I don't think it's something that should be ignored. I don't think it's something because we feel uncomfortable or because we feel out of control that we should just write it off and say, well, I I don't want to deal with that. But I think it's something that we should look at carefully and, and say, okay, well, if this is here, then there has to be a use for it. There has to be a purpose. And the purpose is to validate the fact that it's okay to feel those things. and And another purpose is because... We need to do it together. It is something that should be a part of our expression. And that looks different everywhere you go, and it looks different for everybody you meet. But I would say that that is those are some of the purposes of the Psalms, is that we need to have that, that it's a part of our expression. Scripture is pretty clear. If you look through it, and you, you can find a lot of stories that God is an emotional God. In Genesis, it talks about how we were created in God's image. So if we're emotional, then there's a pretty good chance that that came from God. If you look at the Old Testament, there are a lot of stories about God says, and God was pleased, or God was angry about this or about that. And so we know that not only is it okay for us to have them because we're made in God's image, but God has those too, and you can find those. In the New Testament, you can look to stories of Jesus, and you'll find the same thing. In particular, I want to look at a story briefly in John chapter 11, and it's the story of Jesus with his friend Lazarus. Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick and that Lazarus dies, and instead of going to him right away, he decides to go somewhere else, and the disciples are kind of saying to him, what? What? Why aren't you going to Lazarus? We don't want to go back to this place because nobody liked us there. Can't we go take care of this thing that's going on? And Jesus said, no, you know, in due time, God's going to be glorified through this. And eventually, four days later, he makes his way to where Lazarus is. And he sees all these people crying. And and Mary and Martha are there, and they're crying. And his friend has been dead for four days. And he and is buried in a tomb, and so he comes up to them, and in verse, John 11, verse 33, it said, when Jesus saw her, he's talking about Mary, weeping, and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know what that is. I would guess that it has something to do with the stages of grief, which have to do with denial and anger and pleading and, ex- and all of that, and that Jesus was fully human, and so he would go through those as well. So he was really sad because a few verses later it says, then Jesus wept. And he just cried and cried and cried and he experienced sadness and anger all within a close proximity of each other. And then he finally goes over to the tomb and he says, open it up. And they say, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. It smells really, really bad. He says, open it up anyway. So they open up the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out and he's been raised from the dead. And It doesn't say it explicitly, but my impression is that if your friend has died and you're feeling all of these emotions, and then you see your friend again, you're going to be overcome with joy. And so Jesus experienced that too. God experienced that. We have been created to experience that. If Everywhere that I've gone around the world, and the different travels that I've had in my trips to Uganda, I have found that people are people. It doesn't matter if they live in a hut or in a tent or in a house, or a cabin. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. People are people. Moms are moms. Dads are dads. And kids are kids. Cultures are going to impact that a little bit. But there is a documentary out there that I saw with some of my friends a a couple years ago called Babies. And some of you may have seen it. It's very cute, and there's almost no words in the whole documentary. But it follows these four babies around the world from when they're six months old to when they're 18 months or something like that. And as you watch it, you realize babies are babies. It doesn't matter if they're sitting in the dirt in Africa or if they're in the States or Asia or wherever they are. They all were acting the same, and it was really cute. So I recommend you go see it. But I would say that you can find that we have been created like that and that we all interact like that, whether or not we want to, whether or not we choose to, That's ingrained in who we are as how God created us to be. But I have found that oftentimes it's really hard to express emotions. It's hard to do that. It's hard to go there. And unless you're having a year like I had in 2008, perhaps you're not going to dissolve and fall apart in church every week. And maybe you'll have times like that, and maybe you won't. But I wouldn't say that I came to church saying, today I'm going to sit here and I'm going to cry. It wasn't on my list of things to do but inevitably it happened because of where I was. And so I would say that out of that, um, there there are lots of different reasons why it's hard to express emotions. Some of them have to do with the fact that we grow up in families that are slightly dysfunctional to extremely dysfunctional. I haven't met a family that is totally, 100% emotionally healthy ever in my whole life. And there's usually some evidence or some trace or some experience that you have that in some part of your life you learn how to deal or how to cope with something as opposed to how the healthy way is to do to process that experience and usually it's a there's a good reason for it if you're a kid and your parent gets really really angry then you learn not to be really expressive with whatever it is you're doing because you don't know if you're going to set them off and that's fine that's protective but then we take that with us, and we take it into our lives, and we then kind of stay this closed-off person. Sometimes it's because we're afraid. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't really want to go there and experience that in myself. Or I don't want to experience that and they're around somebody else because I don't know how they will react. And for me, for a long time in my life, it was denial. And it wasn't necessarily on purpose, but I just had no idea that i had all of this stuff going on inside of me that i didn't know how to deal with i had no idea and so there was a couple of events of events that happened in my life that kind of triggered it and brought it up but sometimes you just don't know that that's in your life and i would encourage you that there there are some really good reasons why you might want to find a way whether it's through the psalms or through finding a counselor for a specific issue or for talking to friends or talking to a pastor to address some of the emotions that you have in your life that that you tend to stay away from. Those things that you say in your head, I'm never going to tell anyone about that. I would encourage you to think about it and find someone to tell. That might take some time, but inevitably you're going to be better off for it. And the reasons are because when we express our emotions, we're being honest. We're being honest with who we are, with where we are in that moment. And there's a lot of freedom in honesty, it, there's an empowerment in it as well. You, you get a chance to express to somebody, this is what I'm feeling and this is who I am, and it empowers you to go and possibly talk about it more or do something about it. It brings intimacy into a relationship. You find someone to talk to, and if you're able to go there, be honest, be authentic, be vulnerable then you're going to experience a level of intimacy with that person that you haven't before. And, you know, people will say the word intimacy is into me see. You're going to see in me, and I'm going to allow you to do that. And also another reason why it's good to kind of go there and to talk about it is because it's going to release some of the baggage that you have. If there are issues that, you know, stuff that happened a long time ago that you can't deal with now because the person's gone or the situations over whatever reason there might be, you can still still deal with the emotions today. And you can deal with them and process them and then get rid of that baggage so that you don't take it with you forward. One of the things that I really appreciated about what Mike had offered last week was this idea that maybe I don't always know how to relate to the Psalms. Great, they have all these emotions. I have emotions, and I read the Psalms, and the connection just isn't there. I just can't always follow the progression that the author has. But I would suggest that the Psalms are a book. They, the author had them if it was a song, if it was poetry perhaps. They edited it or they worked on it to polish it to be exactly what they wanted and published it together as a collection, which now you can purchase. But because of that, if your journey isn't exactly the same, then that's okay. I would say that the Psalms are a journey. If you go through, you can follow that journey. You can read through the Psalms, and you can say, yeah, this is an area that I connect with because I've experienced that in my life. But I'm not here yet. I haven't gotten to the part, after you're really mad, psalmist, where you say, oh, God, yay, and you are awesome, and you are good, and everything's going to work out. Woohoo!" I just haven't gotten there. So I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. I'm saying that I am not there yet, and I'm still stuck on this mad part, or this sad part, or this lonely part, or whatever it is, and that's okay. You can read the Psalms a little bit like Choose Your Own Adventure. Anyone remember those books? Yeah, I always read straight through them, which really made the story complicated. (laughs) But I would say that the Psalms are the same type of thing. You can choose, this is where I am, and this is how I'm going to express it. Did any of you remember that poster that has all the yellow smiley faces on it and it has, I don't know, tons of them, all these different emotions that it talks about? It can be a template for you. Reading through the Psalms is a way where you can practice those different emotions and have them in there. And so that when the time comes when you, oh man, now I am feeling mad and I have a way to talk about it. For the church, emotions tend to, really beyond the spectrum. There are churches that flail and fall and cry every single week. You go and you will see that. And that makes some people really uncomfortable. And that makes some people go, oh, finally I'm home. And then there are churches that are called the Frozen Chosen. And if you sway when you hear a song, then people are going to talk about it after church over coffee. And and you know, some people, that is where you are comfortable. And I would encourage you that perhaps a balance is appropriate, and for every person, that balance will look a little bit different, and that's fine. So please don't hear me say that you need to start flailing and falling down and that you don't need to just stand still and not be able to move. But finding a way to, as a body, really be able to go there, to express that, to be able to experience some of those emotions together. I would say that the Psalms, being that their emotions they kind of ebb and flow. If you read through them, you're like, man, how, what, where did that come from? I wouldn't have written that. I wouldn't have gone there. But allowing that to happen, because that also happens with you. Have you ever talked to someone about something you're going through, and they kind of look at you like, I'm tracking with you, I'm tracking with you. What? Okay, all right, I don't get it, but if that's where you are, that's cool. And then they keep going. That's okay. Okay. So the psalmist was was a person, maybe many people, but they each psalmist wrote a psalm for their particular story. So allow the psalms to give you that palette of emotions to express your journey. In I think that sometimes it's tricky in a church to know how to express it. Like if you're sitting here and you're sitting listening or you're listening to the music or you're having, you know, some quiet time, some prayer time during communion, not knowing how to express what it is that's going on. Um, Like in a family, when you sit down with family members or with really close friends, you might talk about something a lot more than you would with 50 people in front of you. But that's okay and that's appropriate. A little story about my life. When I grew up, and particularly through high school, I was very, very... Clear with all of my friends that I was not going to say any curse words or swear words and please don't say them around me I was I was that person and uh, and as I grew up and as I learned for myself that there would be times when using some language like that was appropriate to express what it was that I was feeling but the people that I found the closest the people that I found the safest to use that language around, believe it or not, were my parents. So that if I was with my folks and I was telling them about something that went on, then I could use a curse word or a swear word to express what I was feeling. And that that was okay. It wasn't flippant. It wasn't just saying it to say it like some of some of my high school friends would do. And, uh, and then that was okay, but I wouldn't use that language around lots and lots of people because I didn't need to. It wasn't appropriate. So there are times and places within the church body to have those emotional expressions, whatever it is, that could be small groups. But here, we're, we're often in a corporate setting, but with a sermon or with music or with communion, it's an individual interaction with God. And so what can be really tricky is to go there and to have that moment when other people are around. But there's something really powerful about feeling something with other people and letting them see you feel that? There's something validating to that? For me, being at Artisan during the year of 2008 was a huge, huge step, because I was given the space and the freedom to experience what it was that I needed to experience. If I was sitting back there and I had tears running down my face, I didn't have 15 people coming up to me and saying, are you okay? What's going on? Can I pray for you? Because I'm pretty sure that I would have said no and just walked out the door. It was a moment that I was having, and people let me have it. They gave me the space to have it. And if I needed to do more than just have tears run down my face, then I would walk out, and I would use the prayer room, or I would walk under the awning, or I'd go outside, or I'd do something, and I found space for me. So I would encourage you that when you have moments where you, you know, often you can kind of feel that, okay, God's trying to, I could go there or I could not. I could, I could really connect with God because of the music or whatever it is right now, or I could go refill my coffee. I would encourage you to go there. And if that means that you go there for a moment and then later you find someone to talk to, that's okay. There's an author, and her name is Virginia Satir, and she wrote a book called The Five Freedoms. And so these are freedoms that I want to encourage you in and that I want to give to you to take on into your own life, that you have the freedom to perceive what you perceive, what you see and hear as you see and hear it, to think what you think, to interpret what you interpret, to feel what you feel. To want and choose what you want and what you choose. And to imagine what you imagine. To stay in the reality of really what is going on with where you are instead of what should be, what could be, what might be, what was in the past, or what will be in the future. Your feelings, your emotions are just as important as the people around you. The people that you say, I'm not going to say this because it's going to make so-and-so mad. You don't have to make that decision. What you think and feel is just as important as that other person. There's a quote. um, Someone had given me a list of the Psalms to read through in 30 days. And there's a quote at the bottom of it. And it said, Eugene Peterson, who is an author, maintains that in praying and reading the Psalms 12 times over the course of a year, We learn the vocabulary of prayer, and that's from his book, Under the Unpredictable Plant. What I have done is mark the psalms in my Bible according to the Book of Common Prayer Divisions for the days. So it's by someone named Tom Worth. I'm not sure who that is, but somebody had given me the psalms, and it says, here, read through these in a month. And you read two or three in the morning and two or three in the evening every day. And I think that what that does and what Eugene Peterson is suggesting is that if you're reading the Psalms and that gives you the vocabulary of prayer, that means that it's okay to have the strength of emotions, smashing baby strength, which I still don't encourage you to do. But if you have emotions that are that strong, that that's okay. And it's okay not only to have them, but it's okay to pray them to God. It's okay to tell him where you are, wherever you are, whatever you're feeling, that that is okay to tell to God. And I would say that not only does the Psalms give you the language of prayer, but it also gives you the language of emotions. And really and truly, if you read through those on a regular basis, even if you don't feel all of those emotions every month, that you have a vocabulary built in you so that when you do feel those emotions, when that situation comes up, that you can go there and you have a way to express it. You have a way to talk about it, and you have a way to tell it to somebody else. So I encourage you to go there. I encourage you to do that. Develop intimacy with yourself. Develop intimacy with your relationship with God. And develop intimacy with each other.